So we're starting a new series called Guardrails. Uh, we as a church, we learn from a lot of churches around the nation. One of those churches is North Point in Atlanta. Uh, we adapt and take some of the ideas and we kind of implement them. This is a, a series I heard years ago that I said, man, this is so helpful. We want to be able to help uh, people connect. And so we're going to be going through this series. We just finished a series that was called Live More. And the, the whole idea of Live More was God is rescuing the, he was rescuing the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And we compared, compare that to us as slaves to sin and how God freed them to go into, into the promised land. But we said a lot of times what happened, for, for that, what happened to them is they didn't stop thinking like, like, they weren't thinking like free people. They were still thinking like slaves. And so God's whole process was saying, hey, I want to help you to think like new people. Well, as he gave them these laws and commandments, I remember as a, as a kid going to church, I, I, I would look at the Bible and there's all these thou shall not. You should do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Over and over, in fact, there's 613 commandments throughout the, the Old Testament in, 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 in the, the first part of the Old Testament that God is telling the people of Israel how they should operate, how they should live their lives. And I remember for a long time, I was like, that is a lot of rules and a lot of things to follow. That's just, how can anybody do that? And um, this last series for Live More, something clicked in my head and I finally got it. I was like, oh, wow, I understand. Imagine that you have somebody that you love just gets out of prison. They've been in prison for 25 years, 30 years. All they've known is living in, in a prison cell. That's all they've ever known. And they come into today, and they're, they're going to start living and, and figuring out what social media is, um, going through all the different parts of culture, you know, all the different kind of pressures with, with friends, with family. And as they're coming out, somebody says, all right, your, your friend, um, they're, they're, he's getting out. They're going to get free from prison. You need to give them a list of, of what they need to do to be able to, to have a successful life. You're not going to be able to talk to them. You're not going to be able to interact with them. You're just going to be able to make this list of what they should watch out for, what they should do, what they should be careful with. Imagine this. All right? So you, you sit down one day and you think, all right, how can I help my friend? Be careful with social media because it might be, you know, this person might say this one thing, but it's really not true. They're just trying to make everybody, you know, think they're really cool, whatever. You start going down the list of making all these things. Hey, careful with this. They say you should buy this, but really it's going to lead you into, you know, bondage, more of, more of debt, whatever. And you begin to make this list for your, for your friend of saying, man, I, I really hope they can survive and make, make it through. Imagine that. How long do you think your list would be? Very long, right? Yeah, I, I, if I was making a list for a friend, I would try to think of every little detail. Or maybe it's your son or your daughter that's growing up and you're trying to make a list because you're not going to be there. And you're saying, hey, do this and don't do this, do this and do this, don't do this, don't do this. And as, as, as a heart for your child or for your son, you would pour everything that you had into it saying, I want you to succeed. Can you imagine that with me? And then you look at the Old Testament and you begin to realize, oh, when God is telling them don't do this, it's because they have no idea what that's going to lead to. And he's trying to help them to... To, um, to be free from whatever is going to cause that. And this is where guardrails kind of comes into the scene. So we, we, we talked about what it means to be free people and live more in the series. If you missed it, go and listen to it because this is how our church is, what is built around those four core promises. And, and, and this next step is saying, okay, now let's begin to implement some of these things that's going to keep us from, uh, from causing damage to ourselves and to others. See, guardrails, they're all around us, but oftentimes we don't pay much attention to them. You know, unless you really need them. I was with a friend. He said, driving down to, to um, Albuquerque, he saw a couple. They swerved off the into the into the middle thing, and they hit that. You know, the, the lines, the guard, the guardrail that's in the middle. It's kind of like the the new type of guardrail that has the wire. You know, what I'm talking about. And this car hits it, and it eventually kind of slows down, and the, the couple's just kind of sitting there, like like, oh my god, what just happened? And my friend was saying, I cannot imagine if that wasn't there. What, what damage they could have done because they're they coming towards, towards, towards the oncoming traffic. 
and it was right there. So a lot of times we don't pay attention to these guardrails. So uh, in the series of guardrails, go to that next one for me. So you're going to see this icon throughout the whole service, and it'll be a reminder of, of saying, hey, they're all around us. And obviously we're not going to talk about road, road uh, safety. We're going to be talking about what this means in our life. Uh, but, but no one pays attention. Here's the definition of a guardrail. All right, A guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. So the idea behind a guardrail is, all right, so if we're going to cause some damage and some pain, some hurt, but it's for the, the, the purpose of not causing a lot or an extensive amount of pain and hurt. So the guardrails position in a place, not necessarily saying this is the most dangerous spot on the road, but rather saying this is going to keep you from a really dangerous spot on the road. You know, we, we, find, we find these in different places like on, on bridges where there's little margin of error, right? With the bridges that, that they kind of, even the sign even shows you, if you the next one, I have the next picture there. It even shows you like, hey, the road's going to kind of get a little tight here. But why? Because they know if somebody goes off the, off the edge of the bridge, there's no guardrail, it's going to be a, a, for sure fatality, right? A death. Or, or on medians, when, when traffic is going close to each other, um, it, it, it warns you and says, hey, there's going to be some things kind of keeping traffic away from each other, especially when they're moving at high, high speeds, right? And on, on some of these big highways, interstates, you see that guardrail in the middle because they don't want traffic coming against each other. And so even though it's going to cause some damage to a vehicle, it's going to minimize the actual um, potential for a lot of damage. Uh, we also see them on curves when, when there's unexpected um, conditions and there's changes coming up. We, ha- we have these when, when there's curves and there's turns. A lot of times because there's something that's really dangerous on the other side of it that can, can mess us up and it can hurt us. So it's, it's pointing us, it's, it's not saying this is the most important part of real estate, this guardrail, but rather we want to pr- protect you from going over into this other part of, of real estate that's going to cause a lot of damage, even possibly death. And so it's to keep us from danger and, and to, whenever there's margin of error to keep us away from something that can really cause a lot of damage. So um, for, for, for you, for me, if we, would have, if we have guardrails in our, in our lives, we're going to minimize the kind of regrets we have in life. See, um, when, when it comes to finances, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to um, how we interact with, with others, our workplace, all those things, if we have the right guardrails and the right boundaries in place, we will minimize the damage that we can cause to ourselves and to others if we put those things in place. See, they, they can be avoided if we put up things that God encouraged us to have. And as we go through this series, as we went through that series, this is what I was thinking. This next series uh, from, from Live More to Guardrails, I'm thinking this is God's way of saying, hey, watch this area. Like, be careful. Because when, when you bump up against this, it's really to keep you away from that. And that is really what's bad. And throughout the Old Testament, as God's given his people, the people of Israel, laws and, and rules and standards and be, of behavior to live by, he's telling them, hey, don't, don't, don't get hurt here. Um, don't, don't go beyond this because when you do, there's going to be, for sure, there's going to be something that's going to be worse than, than you really wish you would have done. And so he's trying to help us to avoid, avoid regrets, avoid um, making bad decisions that are going to cause a lot of pain in our lives. So um, he's going to say, don't run into this big thing, rather run into this little one. As a parent, I get this. So my kids are in my house right now, and I want them to make the mistakes now when they're young, when I can coach them and help them through this, rather than when they're older by themselves and having to make these mistakes. So when they bump up against something that we say, hey, this is a boundary, this is a standard that our family has, you know, like you shouldn't lie, right? Well, it's, it's, it, the reason there's no lying is because we understand when you lie, you, you hurt a relationship, you, you, you tear down trust, which can lead to something even worse. No trust, no relationship. 
So when they lie the first time, it's kind of like you hit up against this little guardrail and say, hey, man, you, got, you have to be careful. This will not lead to anything good. When you start you know, fabricating the truth or trying to manipulate the, the, the truth, really we're saying, hey, that's not good. And essentially we're setting up these guardrails for our kids to say, man, we want to keep you on this path that God has for you. Man, don't veer off to the right. Don't veer off to the left. Don't get stuck in, 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 the, um, in, the, in the medians or off the ditches and, and off the mountain, whatever it is. Like there's some dangerous stuff that we're trying to help you avoid. And so we set these up. And it's the same thing God is trying to help us do throughout his word, throughout his scriptures. So um, if you have the next one for me. So for, for us, for this series, um, this is kind of how we're going to define a guardrail. All right? For the next six weeks, we're going to be talking through about different guardrails that, that God is asking us to put in our lives. This is what, what we mean when we say guardrail. Right? We're not talking about on the road. We're talking about guardrails for our lives. We're talking about a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. It's a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. So this idea is that we set up this, this, this standard for our lives that, that, that really helps with, with our behavior, that when we bump up against it, something in us says, oh, that's not good. We should stay away from that. And for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about different, um, different aspects of life and how these apply. But the idea is that as, as we set guardrails in our lives, and we all need to have them, but they have to be a personal standard of behavior. So this is not something... Guardrails that I put in my life, I don't hold over other people. It's something I'm saying, God, help me to put these things to avoid that big thing. Help me to put these guardrails so I don't end up over there. So I want to have a good relationship with my kids when they're older, when they're 25, 30. So if that's the big thing, a healthy relationship with my kids, what are the guardrails I need to put in there? Well, part of that would be making sure I manage how much I work, right? If I work all the time and don't pay attention to my kids, my relationship with my kid when I'm older are not going to be very good. So it's putting a, a guardrail saying, all right, work is not more important than family. It's going to be a standard of behavior that I say these things are really important. I can't, I can't go. And when I bump up against it and I start working too much you know, um, and not paying attention to my family, something in me says, that's not right. That's not healthy. And you need to change something or you're going to, it's going to lead to something that's not good. And this is what God is trying to do throughout his whole Bible saying, man, I'm trying to help you stay on, this, on the best place you can drive your life. The best place you can live. We call it the best life possible. I want to keep you moving forward with that. I want to keep you going forward. So uh, when it comes to culture, sometimes our culture tries to do, do this. Like there, There's things we can all agree on aren't good for us culturally. Like, like majority of people say, yeah, those things aren't good for us. A few things they say when it comes to sex. They say, you know what you should do? You should wait until you're ready. That's not necessarily a bad thing. right? They, we tell students this, young people this, um, wait until you're ready. To, to have sex. Well, when it, when it, that's kind of like not, that's not necessarily a guardrail. Like some people would think that's a guardrail. That's just like a line painted on the road, right? A little yellow line saying, well, don't cross this because it's very dangerous. Because when exactly are they ready? When do they know they're ready? So the idea is not necessarily a bad idea, but it's not really a guardrail. So what would it be in our lives if we said, all right, what are the guardrails we need to put here so we don't cross that? I mean, why is it so important we tell kids to, to, to do it God's way? Because he understands what's on the other side of that guardrail. If you, if, you, if you go off track and you chase something, there's a potential for a lot of damage and a lot of hurt over there. Or when it comes to drinking, what do they say? Drink responsibly, right? We all agree it's not good to drink irresponsibly. Like nobody, nobody thinks that's a good idea. But that's just a line on the road because where is responsible and irresponsible start? And for who, when does that start? And so 
we're saying, what are the guardrails? And we're going to talk about what Paul says about this. So we're not talking about yellow lines on the side of the road that are, are important that we should pay attention. We're saying, put some guardrails that when you bump up against it, something in you says, oh, this is not going to, this is not good. I get it back on the road. And it causes a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of damage rather than going off to their side. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about marriage. I'm going to talk about some of the guardrails I put in my life when it comes to marriage and why they're important. And when I, if I ever bump up against them, how I feel, we'll go through that. So this is what Paul says. I'll give you an example of, of Paul giving us uh, this idea of having a guardrail in our lives. All right. So in Ephesians, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. In the book of Ephesians, um, we're going to end up at, at verse 15, but I want to kind of just walk you through, through the context of what he's talking about. So in, in the, in the, he's writing to this church in, in Ephesus, all right? it's, and he's writing to Christians. So a lot of times throughout the Bible, even in church, when we, when we talk to people, a lot of times it's, it's from a Christian perspective to Christians. So if you're not a Christian, you're here today just visiting, you know, you don't, you're not going to actually be, be held. And we're not saying this is for you. It'd be great for you to learn it, maybe to apply it. But this is Paul speaking to Christians saying, hey, pay attention. All right. And so the church of Ephesus, it was, um, I don't know if you can imagine this, but it was more immoral than, than our culture now. Like there was a lot of things that was just, it was, it was a free-for-all. Free you can do it. In fact, when it came to, to one of the things he writes about is sexual immorality, there was an element to, like we understand as, as, as couples, like you shouldn't be, be having extramarital affairs. Right? We just understand that's like not a healthy thing. Well, their culture, it was actually part of what they accepted because part of extramarital uh, affairs was, was, had to do with worship of, of some of the, the gods that were in their culture. So there was a lot of, stand, there was really no standards there. They would call it amoral. There was, there was just no morals. And, and so Paul's writing to this church saying, all right, guys, even though culture says everything is acceptable, everything is good to go, man, I'm going to tell you guys, be careful with this. And he begins to give this list. But this is how he starts off his list. In verse 5, he says, uh, in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to, a God, to, to God. And then he goes on to start listing all these sins that he says, man, don't, don't have this in your camp. Don't have this in your life. Stay away from this. And it's a pretty strange list. He goes down and says, don't do these things. But here's the idea. God is speaking to the people of Israel. When he, when he gives them the four promises, says, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for you. Paul takes the same heart saying, all right, God doesn't want you to live as slaves, but as free people. These things are going to lead to slavery. So begin to put some guardrails in place. Because if you go in that direction, they're not going to produce anything good in your life. In fact, that's what sin is. It's something that produces death in our life. It's something that's less than God's best for us. It's, it's, it's getting off the path and doing our own thing. It's, and we get stuck in the ditches of life because we didn't have something to guide us. And so he goes through this list and saying, all right, so uh, you used to, once we used to be darkness, but now you're light, right? Can you imagine him talking to people of Israel saying, all right, you used to be slaves, but now you're not slaves anymore, so live this way. You used to be slave to sin, but you're no longer a slave to sin. Live this way. And Paul is encouraging us to say, hey, we're going to start thinking different. We're going to start living different. And this is what he says in, in verse 15. He says, be very careful then how you live. Another translation says, be very careful how you walk. It's this idea of, of, of pay attention to where your steps are, are going because they're leading somewhere. Pay attention to where your life is heading because it's heading somewhere. Anybody has, if you've ever had kids and they own Legos, you know how dangerous Legos are at night, right? Anybody relate? Somebody stepped on a few of those, right? In the middle of the night, you're like, ah! 
Right. This is the idea. Be careful then how you walk. So if you came to our house late at night and you're going to the living room, sincerity and I would say, oh, be careful. There's some Legos in the corner. And if you step there, man, it's going to bring a lot of pain. So here's, here's kind of what I see when, I, when, I, when I'm talking about how, be careful how we walk, how we live. Pay attention because when you step on something that's not that's sharp and plastic and it goes to your foot, you're going to cry, right? You're going to scream. Or maybe you have, have dogs outside and, and, and your dogs, they, they go to the bathroom, right, in the yard. And as you're walking through, if you had friends, you know kind of the area your dogs do the restroom. If they're walking that direction, you say, oh, be careful. My dogs, they kind of go over there, all right? Be careful how you walk. This idea that as we're walking, there are things around us that if we're not paying attention, we will cause ourselves a lot of pain or a lot of other stuff that comes with the dog stuff, all right? So... He's saying, be careful how you walk. Now, I don't know, I don't think Paul had the dog idea, and I don't think he had the Lego idea, but he's saying, pay attention, be careful. And he goes on to say this, be very careful how you live, or how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So he's saying there's a choice that you can make. You can live in an unwise person. Hey, people in Ephesus, pay attention. There's a lot of choices out there. Choose the wise path. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So when he says making the most of our opportunity, we would say um, live intentional, very, really very intentional with your life. Like, like live, like understanding today is the only day that I will ever get to live this day. So I should pay attention to how I live it. He's saying make the most of every opportunity, make the most of every day. The idea there is, is to redeem, right? To take advantage, to, to use that to your, the full extent possible. Because the days are evil. So he's writing to the people of Essos saying, hey, the days are evil. They're dangerous. There's a lot around us. There's a lot of choices that we can make. There's a lot of paths. You can get your steering wheel. You can jerk it into, into ongoing traffic. But I wouldn't recommend it. There's, there's a lot of choices you can make. You can, you can take your life and, and go into this direction that has this big canyon. But I wouldn't recommend it. He's saying the days are dangerous. The days are evil. So be careful how you live. Make every opportunity. And he goes on to say this. Therefore, do not be foolish. So if you're choosing the wise way, you're not being foolish. He says, understand what the Lord's will is. So he's saying, don't be foolish. Don't be careless. All right. Understand. Face up to accept in your life what God is asking you to accept. When it comes to a guardrail, when you bump up to against that, accept the fact that there's something in you that says, ah, oh, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel good. I, I probably should back away from this. Rather than saying, forget this, I'm going through. Don't be careless. Understand, accept, embrace what God wants to do to know what God's plan for your life is. And when you begin to trust God and he leads you, I promise you it'll be the best life you could possibly live here on earth. Because he understands what's on the other side of the guardrail. That's why he tells us to put them. There's, there's dangers on the other side that are going to cause death and harm and hurt to us relationally, relationally financially. Physically, mentally, there's all these things that will lead to, and he's saying, hey, be wise. Don't be foolish, but be wise. Man, stop. When, when he's saying, understand what, the God's, God, what, the, what his will is, he's saying, stop deceiving yourself. You know, you can convince everybody why that's okay. He's saying, stop deceiving yourself and stop deceiving everybody else. When you know it's not okay, it's not okay, don't even go in that area. When you bump up against it, turn back onto the road. Begin to follow. So don't... As humans, you know, we, we, we tend to try to get as close as possible to the edge, right? To see, you know, man, I'm right there. He's saying, man, don't deceive yourself. Because, you know, when we, 
you know, everybody that stood on the edge and fell off, I'll guarantee they were pretty confident in the edge thinking they will never fall off until it was too late. Everybody that stands on the edge and plays with things always thinks I'm not going to hurt myself until it's too late and they're off. So rather than living on the edge, he's saying, would you put some guardrails in your life that keep you away from the edge that's going to bring invite disaster? He continues on. And this is the example he uses. All right? He gives us an example of saying, all right, let me give you a, guard, a guardrail for your life. Let me give you an idea of what it looks like. And this is why. So he says, don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. He says, do not get drunk on wine. Do not get drunk on wine. So for me, I, I don't drink alcohol. Um, in my life, there was a point in my life I made a decision as a pastor. I said, you know what? Um, I'm not saying it's, it's a bad thing to drink alcohol, but for me, I don't drink. I've made this choice to say, and here's why. Because there's people in, in the grove that if they saw me drink or heard I uh, uh, drank, whether it was one glass or one can, whatever, they would think they have permission to drink when maybe, in fact, they shouldn't even pick that up because they know where it's going to lead. And I don't want to be a stumbling block for everybody. So I've made a decision to say, you know what, this is one of those things that I'm going to put in my life that says I just I won't do. I'm not saying you have to do this, but this is Paul's example of why he's saying we need guardrails. So he goes on and says, don't get drunk on wine. All right? Um, and, and a big part for me is, is every situation where alcohol has been involved, it doesn't make life better. It only complicates it. In fact, I think this is for all sin. Whenever it comes to sleeping around, whenever it comes to, to drugs, to alcohol, is your life, is it, is it making it better or is it only complicating it? And a lot of times if we're honest with ourselves, we will say, you know what, this, it feels good for a moment, but it really only complicates things. That's a good indication that you should stop doing that. You should be aware of that. And you might be, it's time to put a guardrail. So, he goes on to say this. The reason you shouldn't get drunk on wine is which, because it leads to debauchery. And if you're like me, I don't know what debauchery means. So we have to look it up, right? <laughs> well, that's great. It's going to lead to debauchery. No, not debauchery. So, this is what debauchery means, all right? Debauchery means anything that causes us to lose control. Um, it, it means, oh, sorry, here's the, the definition. Extreme indulgence that results in a loss of control. Or something that, an, an indulgence that leads to the loss of control. That's what debauchery means. So he's saying, so what, let's put a guardrail. Let's just say drunkenness is the guardrail. Let's, let's not bump up against that. Because when we do, it's going to lead to something worse, right? Now, responsible drinking goes out the window. Because once you're drunk... Who really says, you know, I'm drinking irresponsibly, let's stop. It's like, man, it's on, let's keep going, right? So he's saying it's going to lead to something worse, which you're out of control. And your Heavenly Father doesn't want you to do anything when you're out of control. And he's using this one thing as an example saying, hey, let's be a guardrail that you bump up against that bothers you so much that you say, man, i got to back off because that's, that's going to lead to loss of control. And we know when I'm out of control, man, somebody else is in control, and it's only going to produce death in our lives. So he's saying, man, anything that causes loss of control, our Heavenly Father is against. He doesn't want that. So when it comes to finances, if you're so set on having that thing, but it's going to cost you taking, you know, borrowing against your future, maybe your kid's college fund future because you want that thing so bad, that's a loss of control. And your Heavenly Father is against that. He's saying, pay attention. So Paul's saying, pay attention. Man, know what God's will is for your life. Because even though culture says that's not a big deal, you as Christians make a big deal out of something. It's really not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal until you're on the other side of the, you're in the ditch, right? Right? This is not a big deal. It's just having fun. 
until you're in the ditch and you can't get out of the ditch. Or you keep finding yourself in the ditch. I would say that's a very big deal. And if you're here and you struggle with that, God's going to say, hey, man, put some boundaries. Put some guardrails that you would be able to say, this is not healthy. It's not going to lead to anything good. And we're going to talk about the next few weeks, talk about different, how that applies to different aspects of our life. Because God is saying, I want you to stay a free person. I don't want you to go back to being a slave to anything. But rather, I want you to master it. So don't lose control because it will lead to sin. It will lead to regret. It will lead to a place that you can't help yourself from, from giving in to those things. So he's saying, don't go into the ditches. Man, stay on the path I have for you. So he goes on and says, but he gives us a contrast. He gives us an example of, okay, so what does it mean? So don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which we all know now, right? You're like, you guys know what debauchery means now. Which is an extreme indulgence that leads to loss of control. So he says, rather, instead, so he gives us an example. So it's not just about setting up rules, but it's then saying, how then should I live now? He says, instead, man, instead, um, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's this, it's, the Holy Spirit is, is, is God's way of, of, of helping us understand when we're hitting up against something that's not good for us. It's called conviction. And conviction is one of the greatest things because when we step out over the yellow line and begin to hit up against a, a guardrail, the Holy Spirit says, hey, um, that's not a good idea. And here's the thing. Most of the time, the Holy Spirit is not yelling, saying, stop. It's usually a small voice saying, be careful. Be careful. And a lot of times, he even gives us a way out before it even happens. We'll get an interruption. We'll get somebody calls. We'll get somebody to try to stop us from doing that. God even gives us a way out of those temptations, the Bible says. But the Holy Spirit is there to help us on this journey. And so he's saying, instead of getting drunk, instead of, of, of falling into the, into the, the, the pit of, 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 of no control, man, rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let him help you on this journey that when you begin to set up these guardrails and saying, all right, in my life, I need to put these, this, this standard of behavior that I'm going to live by that bothers my conscience when I bump up against it. So instead, be filled with the Spirit. He's saying get real. Get real with yourself. Because we have a Heavenly Father that loves you so much that He doesn't want you to end up in the ditches. He doesn't want your life creaning over the cliff. He doesn't. Because He knows all the pain it's going to bring to those around you and to your life. He's saying, man, live this life. It's so much better. It's going to bring life. You're going to be able to pull people off the edges and say, hey, this is, there's a better way. Follow me. There's a better way. I've learned about it. And this is why guardrails are so important in our life because they help us to know God's best for our life. Pay attention. So he's saying don't get drunk, but, but instead be filled with the Spirit of God. He invites us into a relationship and he says, I'm not just going to give you a whole bunch of rules to follow. I'm going to be a God that helps you on this journey. So rather than always worrying about these, you know, bumping up against it, he's going to just say, hey, man, don't even go that, way, that, that, that day. Don't even, do it. Don't, even, don't even consider that. Keep moving forward. Don't let that distract you. Don't let that pull you off course. I know you're angry. I know you're upset. Don't let it pull you to those things. And his spirit actually helps us on this journey to stay free people. Not just free people, but to be lived as fulfilled human beings here on earth. Because we're part of this journey of God saying, I want to help you. So, uh, if you go to the next one for me. None of us, nobody wakes up and says, today I'm going to screw up my life. Today I'm going to, man, I'm going to drive it off a cliff. I'm going to take my life and I'm going to do my own thing. Nobody wakes up and says that and chooses that. But a lot of us don't plan not to do that. So we don't, a lot of people don't plan to mess up their lives. But the fact that they don't have a plan in place 
leads them to those things. Guardrails is saying, God, how can we put plans in place in our life that are going to keep us away from the edges, away from the cliffs, to have healthy marriages, to have healthy finances, to have healthy relationships with our kids and with our coworkers, to have healthy bodies? All right, what are those things that you're asking us to do? How can we, how can we plan? So there's no, if there's no guardrails in your life, man, you're in danger of going off the edges into the ditches. When we're going to say, God, I want these guardrails. I want to know where to put them and how to watch out for them. It's a personal thing in your marriage, in your finances, in your relationships. You need to figure out, say, God, what are those things in my life that are going to lead me to the edges? And for you and for me, it's going to be a little slightly different a lot of times. Because one thing that really bothers my conscience might not bother you at all. And something that bothers your conscience might not bother mine at all. Not that it's, not, that, not that it's bad or it's good, it's just we're different. We're saying, God, what are those personal things you're asking me to set up? And this is what I want you to do this week is begin to think about those. For the next six weeks, we talk about different areas of our life that we need to have guardrails. In your life, what are those things you even know right now, I bet? You know, we talk about alcohol. It might be alcohol. It might not be. It might be something different. Maybe there's something on the computer that pulls your attention. This could be guys or girls that pulls your attention away from your day. Gets you stuck in a different world that's not real. Whether that's shopping or whether that's pornography. And it begins to pull you into different directions that you somewhat lose control. Well, guardrails would be saying, hey, how can I put these in my life? So here's the thing. Nobody has ever regretted establishing a guardrail in their life. But most of us, looking back at things we regret, wish we would have. If you look back at your life and said, man, I wish I had made different choices, I bet you wish you would establish some boundaries, some guardrails in your life that would have kept you away from those ditches and those cliffs, Right? The good news is God has a better way for you if you'll follow him and you'll go through it. So here's my challenge. Create a personal standard of behavior that will become a matter of conscience in your life. It's not, let's see how far to the edge, how close to the edge I can get. Rather, it's, I'm going to stay away from those things that are going to pull me where I lose control. I'm going to stay away from those things. This is as far as I will go. No more. Create a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. So that when you bump up against that, something in you says, hey, that's not going to lead to anything good. And that is not good. Be careful with that. And then let, let, let God and his Holy Spirit help us work through those things and move forward with those things. So if you're here today and you come, maybe you're not a Christian or maybe, you, maybe you've been, been running from God for a long time. I have some good news for you. Maybe you found yourself in the ditches. Maybe you've creamed off the cliffs a few times. You're still alive. We don't know how, right? But we're still here. Maybe you still have those addictions that you're fighting. God wants to help you be free from those things. God wants to help you live a life that's going to be an enjoyable journey where you stay on the path that he has for you. If you're here today and you say, I I want to be on his path and I want to get off of my paths, I would love to lead you in a prayer. So the Bible says, the Bible says that when we ask God for help, he responds with help. When we humble ourselves, he responds by saying, all right, I'm listening. There's something about us saying, God, we need your help, that he responds to and says, I know, rather than being proud of saying, I can do this all alone. So you might be here today, and you've gone off the road a few times, and you're saying, I want to get back on the road. and I want to, Maybe I want to find the road for the first time, the path that God has for me. I would love to lead in your prayer that just says, God, I, want, I need your help. Paul says, when we ask for forgiveness, our Heavenly Father, he forgives us. In fact, it says it like this, that when 
that moment that we turn our heart to him and say, God, I invite you into my life, forgive me, it says that we become a new person in Christ. You start new, afresh. It's awesome. It's this gift that God gives us that says, all right, we're going to forget about the past. We're going to erase that, what you've done. I'll no longer hold that against you. Now let's move into the future. And I'm going to help you on this journey. Would you all close your eyes and bow your heads today? If you're here today and you would say, man, I want to invite God into my life, would you lift your hand? And I've ran off too many cliffs. Awesome. I see those hands. I'm not going to make you come forward. Just want to lead you in a prayer from your seat. God, I need your help. I'm tired of doing it by myself. I'm tired of finding myself in the ditches and in, off those cliffs. Anybody else? I see those hands. There's a lot of hands that went up today. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's just a simple prayer. He said, God, forgive me. God, I invite you into my life. Would you pray this with me today? Uh, for you that are, that are Christians that prayed this before, would you encourage those that raise their hand today by praying with us? Let's just say, say, Father God, today I admit that I need your help. Forgive me for losing control. Forgive me for my decisions that have led to sin and to less than your best. Help me today become new in you. I know you died on that cross for me. I know there's forgiveness for my sins because of your sacrifice. Today I invite you to be my Lord, to be my God. Help me to put guardrails in my life that I'll stay out of the ditches. Help me this week to be wise, to make good choices and good decisions. I invite you in my life now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, I saw a lot of hands go up. Would you just give them a hand? So awesome.